Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Back on the Mass and All Access podcast, it is Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings coming at you live from the Mass and Web Studio. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. One week removed from our last episode when we graded some of the Nationals' position players for the 2022 season. This episode, we're going to be talking about the pitching staff, both starter and bullpen, handing out some grades to the pitchers that made their biggest impacts on the national season this year. Hopefully you're tuning in live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to both, hit notifications so you know when we go live, or you can just check us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy, back in studio with you. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good today, Bobby. Um, playoffs have been exciting. I have been very excited. Yeah. I, do. I want to start with that too. We're now transitioning into the championship series, and yeah. um, it's kind of funny. We've got like the complete opposites in each one. Then the American League now with the Yankees winning Tuesday night, we've got the one and two seed uh, Astros and Yankees in the ALCS. And then you go over the NL, you got the five and six right. seed uh, San Diego Padres and Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, it's been a pretty exciting weekend and, and playoffs. I think this is exactly what MLB wanted when they and the Players Union when they decided on an expanded playoff format. Yeah, it's been exciting. But Bobby, first, how was your weekend? My weekend was fun. Bobby had his bachelor party. Yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. yeah. bachelor party this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Hanging out with some of my closest friends. We uh, stayed local, got a big bay house in Cambridge, Maryland. Um, kind of secluded, actually very secluded, which was nice. Went, I played some golf, went out to a nice dinner. But we mostly stayed at the house all day. Um, on like The weather was unbelievable this past weekend. We got super so lucky. So nice, yeah. beautiful days. Yeah. So we just uh, stayed outside. Uh, we were right on the water, watched college football, watched the Terps get a W, a big W on the road at Indiana. Um, you know, and indulge in some adult beverages, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, got some good food. And it was mostly just, that's what I wanted. I just wanted some camaraderie yeah. uh, hanging out with some of my closest friends. Had a nice bonfire the last night we were there. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Just what I wanted. Still a little tired from it, you know, just staying up late and just hanging out, talking with guys. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. Thanks for yeah. asking. I appreciate yeah. it. Now we're, but anyway, I'm you? under the month content to my wedding now. So that's, the that's even more crazy. important. Yeah. We need to start, like, we'll put no. like, a little calendar and rip it down. <laughs> Already did Megan out about have it. her bachelorette? Yeah, sure. Sure. No, no. We, she did a separate week. She did it in, uh, September, early oh, okay. sometimes there. She went to a uh, Harry Styles concert in New York. Ooh, with, yeah. fun. I, I think some of my friends went to that. Yeah. yeah. I miss Madison Square Garden. She had a blast. Harry Styles is, Good. is a, Awesome show! Yeah. Apparently. I was actually super jealous. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So. But did no. you watch any baseball this weekend? Did we did. Uh, we so it was cool too because we got you know we watched just the hang out? we watched the yeah. Commanders Thursday night. Uh, that was an ugly game, but they got the W. Uh, we did watch a couple some of the games on um, Friday night, hanging out before we even went out to dinner, and then Saturday. I mean, we mostly watched college football. Right. Uh, but you know, we were checking on the scores every now and then when there was like a break in between. We only had like one tv going at, at a time so we couldn't really dual screen yeah. it so yeah and we also were only like paying half attention right um but i mean saw some of the scores a lot of nationals <laughs> I, I was gonna say i mean bryce Between harper the Phillies and the padres <laughs> bryce harper is just and like i'll have more on this about bryce on massinsports.com thursday morning because I think it's just interesting that, you know, no matter situation, Bryce Harper performs in October. He doesn't he does. get there very often. This is his first time with the Phillies. But, man, oh, man, he loves the spotlight and he performs. And that is a dangerous combination with also Kyle Schwarber, who also performs in October. We know what he did with the Cubs Jeez, back in 2016 yeah. um, and with the Red Sox last year. Now they're all on the same team in Philadelphia. And this has got to be really tough for Nationals fans to watch. But, you know, they can't be surprised because they both did it in their short times um, in Washington in their couple of postseasons. Well, right. I guess college never had a postseason in Washington, but... It's it, been interesting to see, like, the tweets and the comments and stuff about, you know, people's alliances now and, you know, whether they're happy to see, you know, Juan and Josh and Kyle and uh, Bryce Harper in the postseason mm -hmm. or, you know, if they're not so happy. So yeah. it's been interesting to read everybody's comments yeah. and thoughts on that. Yeah, we touched on a bit a little bit last week. Yeah, we did. I, I get it. I think in this matchup, I, I would say it's probably fairly more support for San Diego. For sure. Out of the division, uh, I think obviously what Juan Soto accomplished here, winning a World Series, what Josh Bell meant to this team and the community in the short amount. Not that 
Bryce Harper didn't do anything in the community or anything. He meant a lot too. But just like the way that the Bryce Harper saga ended in DC, right. going to a division rival that's only two hours away, um, I think I, I think a lot of DC fans are probably rooting more for San Diego than Philadelphia. So it's interesting. It is very interesting. The and, ALCS and, starts tonight. Yeah, and you've got the Yankees and Astros playing each other in the ALCS for the third time since 2017, yep. and the Astros have won the first two. The Yankees are saying, you know, they don't like those guys. They're, what they call them, like trying to, you know, defeat the monster or whatever they called him after. Oh, yeah. So, you know, great storylines in both. Obviously, a lot more affecting the Nationals and the National League Championship Series, but Yankees, Astros, hopefully that goes. Hopefully both of these go seven. You just want to see good baseball right. as much as you can. Right, and so pushed back this year. Like, I was looking mm-hmm. at my memories. It's, like, crazy how far further along we were in previous years in the playoffs, but, of course, the lockout. Yeah, I saw someone. I can't remember if it was John Heyman or someone tweeted today that this is the anniversary of um, back in 2019 when Jose Altuve walked off the Yankees to send them to the World Series against the Nationals. Right. And I remember exactly yep. where I was when I saw that, and I was like, well, I guess we're going to Houston. Houston. <laughs> and we thought we'd have to like go to Houston in two days or just take the train up to New York. Obviously, ended up being Houston, but that worked out for the Nationals. But that's crazy that it, that was October 19th, right. and now we're just starting. I mean, that this obviously has to do with the lockout right. one yeah. a- extra then- week. So this guess technically should have been last week. Mm-hmm. But Makes still, sense, it is kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah, and the World Series is... I mean, assuming it's not like a sweep, it's almost a lock to go into November, mm-hmm. right? I'm pretty sure for November that schedule. baseball. Yeah, so exciting time for, you know, baseball fans in general, both, oh, I guess all four of these fan bases. Um, I can't imagine. The other thing, too, is we talked about, like, I can't imagine the Nationals are rooting for either Houston or New York. No. They probably don't Unless want either of those. Unless you love Davey. I mean. Oh, he, Dusty. Dusty. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Then you're rooting for Houston it's hard like, you know if I'm a fan like I wouldn't held that much of a grudge against Houston because the Nationals ended up winning that series it would have been way different if, if they, they lost, lost yeah. correct but then the whole you know cheating scandal and everything like that you know fans still hold hard feelings against some of those players that are still there but you're right Dusty Baker is definitely a big factor and you know I don't think if you're not a Yankees fan not many people like the Yankees right um so it's hard to root against them but like so it's like the Yankees versus the Phillies like the worst World oh Series gosh. matchup for, for Nats 2009, fans. all over again. Yeah. So I guess we're rooting for San Diego, Houston in the po- postseason, and then maybe San Diego. I mean, but they yeah. get to see San Diego win another ring. Yeah. Or Juan Soto win a ring this soon without uh, being removed from the Nationals. That'd be tough. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's exciting nonetheless. It's exciting. It's exciting baseball. Um, but, let's but we lo- have to look back. <laughs> we do have to look back. Let's focus more on the Nationals. Like I said at the top of the show, last week, we did the uh, position player grade reviews. Um, if you missed any part of that show, go back to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. You can catch out that full episode. Also, on the, you're still on the YouTube channel and somewhere on Facebook, so you can watch that. Check that out. Um, and also, apologies for any technical difficulties we had last week, but we were able to finish the whole podcast on audio format, so maybe checking out the podcast is your best bet. So now we'll switch over to the pitching staff. Uh, we'll do both starters and relievers this week and, and giving out grades for the season. Um, and, you know, Amy, well, first of all, just a caveat, like we'll do, I think we did around – I think we did nine position players last week, mm-hmm. and I was trying to split it up between starters and relievers to like four each, but there's just too many yeah, to talk many. about. Yeah. So we'll probably go over ten total. That's okay. We'll- uh, but we'll just keep it going. Yeah, we'll, we won't I mean the big names will will linger on for a right. little while longer, but there's a couple of guys we can like briefly talk about, hand out a grade and move on. Right. Yeah. Um but and, you know, this year Amy, and we've talked about this before on the pod, was an interesting year because it was the most flip-flop year pitching-wise the Nationals have maybe ever had, especially under Mike Rizzo where the relievers outperformed the starters by a lot. You know, in years past at the trade deadline, we're so used to the Nationals having to go buy a reliever, um, some kind of closer, multiple yep. relievers even, because the bullpen wasn't up to snuff for a postseason run. This year, the bullpen was way better than the starting rotation, and the rotation really struggled throughout the course of the season. It was really surprising to see that this year from a, a Nationals team that is used to building up through the starters. Right. I mean, every year that the Nationals had been competitive down the stretch, they've gone after a, a bullpen arm at the deadline. Um, and those were also the same teams that were built around 
their rotation and some of those like the 2009 rotation was arguably the best rotation in baseball at that time now we see the complete opposite where the nationals bullpen ranks six best over the last three months in era i think around 15th middle of the pack across the whole season and the starters we've seen arguably the worst rotation or worst results from the rotation that we've seen over the last decade Yep, the national starters finished with an ERA just under six, 5.97, worse than the mm-hmm. major leagues. Um, and then if you go and look at the relievers of the bullpen, uh, slightly better uh, and definitely more respectable. Fifteenth, middle of the pack in the entire major leagues at a 3.84 ERA. That's almost a three-run difference, two and a half, I guess you could say. Um, and it's it's stark. It's a stark contrast. And again, something we had not seen with this club in a long time. So it's a good thing that we saw the bullpen, especially some of these guys we'll talk about, you know, came from you know minor league signings in spring training or were waiver claims a couple of years ago. I mean, there was only a handful of guys that are home. I, I can't even think of a handful of guys that were actually homegrown in the system. So that's a good way of bringing in bullpen arms, right? And that's a good process. But then you look at the starter rotation, a lot of money, a lot of contracts, a lot invested in some young talent that didn't pan out. Yeah, the good news is when you see those positive results from your bullpen arms, especially some of the younger guys, um, either you're going to you know continue to development and they're going to be a piece of your bullpen of the future, or the more realistic option is that they give you a trade option mm-hmm. um, and you're able to get something back for them, which is what I think we'll see from the Nationals over the next season, two seasons. Um, but at least they're giving them that option, which they did not have before. Yeah, so we'll start with the rotation. And I, I say we start with a guy that had a lot riding on his shoulders this year. Um, acquired from the trade deadline last year, one of the main prospects acquired in the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner deal, impressed in his short amount of time in 2021, a lot riding on his season in this 2022 year. And that's of course, Josiah Gray, right-hander. Um, he finished with a 502 ERA in 148 and two thirds innings, made 28 starts. Impressive that he finished the season strong, uh, maybe not strong, but finished the season, gave you close to 30 starts. But he led the majors in home runs allowed and walks surrender, 38 and 66 respectively. That home run number breaks Patrick Corbin's club record from last year. Mm-hmm. We knew that coming into the season that the home run ball was going to be an issue. The walks also creeped up to be an issue. He, we didn't see that, that as much last year in the short amount of time. Um, so the overall numbers aren't great. And I guess the way you have to look at it, I mean, for me, I'm looking at it as like, how much pressure are we putting on this guy to carry the rotation? He was what coming into the season, the number two starter. I think he started the second game of the year um, after Patrick Corbin. That's a lot of pressure for a guy, especially on a rotation that wasn't that good to start the season. I don't know. How are you weighing Pat, uh, Josiah Gray's season? Uh, now you look back on it. It's tough because you know, this season, what helps Josiah Gray is that he pitched a whole season. Right. And we kept talking about that, you know, like this workload is getting really high for Josiah. Like, are they going to shut him down? And I think their intentions all along were to shut him down. I mean, Davey Martinez pretty much said that or really limit his innings down the stretch. Um, but he finished the season not on a high note, but he finished the whole season. And that's the first time that we've seen him take on this workload in his career. So I think that helps him. But then you have to go back to the numbers and – 38 home runs in MLB High, what, 66 walks. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really not acceptable and not acceptable where, you know, at the end of the season, Josiah Gray really realistically was their number one starter. Um, That's really not acceptable, and that's not going to work moving forward. But like I said, the fact that he's young, this is the most he's gone in his career, helps him a little bit take, you know, those numbers a little bit. And the Nationals were very cautious with him um, near the end of the year. Uh, we know they space out his starts. They toyed with shutting him down. I don't know I don't know if we should. We haven't really in the past, but we I don't think we should count too, too much on win-loss record. But if right. you are out there and you do count that, Josiah Gray led this staff in wins. He, he went 7-10. and 10. Not very impressive, but this team also didn't win a lot. And that's a whole other conversation. But if you want to count that, Right. That, that counts for something, I guess. But, yeah, I, it's it's not what you want to see. I, you're, I think I'm putting more stock in the fact that he pitched as much as he ever have has um, and finished the season and finished the season healthy. The results weren't great. The home runs per nine, 2.3. I mean, that's giving up so many home runs, of course, leading the league. 
we knew coming into the year that was going to be an issue for him. We would have liked to see him kind of bring that in. And, you know, he had some okay outings. He did impress from time he to really time. He really had a a solid stretch in the middle of the season where, I mean, where he was the best starter right um he had a solid stretch after that like think towards the beginning of july things kind of went downhill for josiah but and you also have to consider like josiah is young like he's gonna be good he has good stuff um it's just the results right now aren't what you want to see over four starts in june i think is the stretch you're talking about he had an yeah. era of one 113 um against cincinnati Miami, Philadelphia, yeah. and Texas yep. capped off with that Texas start. But then after that, he kind of fell off. And we talked about a little bit about this last year with him. Is like You could see him losing his arm strength. He just kind of wore down, right. which we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago near the end of the season where it's like, that's okay. We understand. Like You have not pitched this much. We don't want you see you get stretched out, injured, or anything. Just finish the season healthy, strong. Results at this point are really don't matter that much because – teams out of it we're looking for you to finish healthy and then carry on to next year so for my grade for this year for Josiah Gray I I think all that is all well and good but the results weren't weren't good enough so I think balancing those two you can't go for me any higher than like a C a C plus yeah I gave him a C plus yeah um but the results I mean there's no way to really sugarcoat that yeah so uh, looking forward to next year decreasing those home runs definitely decreasing the walks He's a fly ball pitcher. That's fine in, in this day and age, but, like, keep, got to keep the ball in the And air. we also have to be realistic. Like, on most teams, he's probably, at just this point in his career, this year, right. probably more of their number four starter. And, you know, all the pressure's not on him, but in this rotation and this year, it was different. So yeah. I think that kind of changes how you weigh his grade. But I, I said C+. Plus. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the lone left-hander in this rotation, <laughs> a name that's you know, going to come up a bunch this off season and in a couple of years, Patrick Corbin. And we know about the numbers since 2019, the bad years. We know about this year's numbers, a 631 ERA over 152 and two thirds innings. Ended up making 31 starts. He even missed a start uh, late in the season when his, uh, he had a slight injury, but was able to come back and pitch after that. Um, walks were high. Home runs were also pretty high. He hit 27 and 49. Just, and you also think about, the handful of bad out, like not even just, you know, not good, but just bad outings, not getting out of the first inning. I have always said the one thing Patrick Corbin does is take the ball every fifth day. And he did that 31 starts. So for me, like if you think about all everything, the contract, the, the knowing what he was brought in to do, knowing that what he was capable of in 2019 and then seeing what he's done over these past three years, I think it would be easy to say it's a failure, but I think the fact that he gave you 31 starts and led you in innings, I don't think you can go any higher or any lower, I think, than at least a D. I know the numbers are terrible. I know that. <laughs> but he at least was out there every five days. Yeah, it's kind of similar to how we're like justifying Josiah Gray's grade is that, you know, he did take the ball every five days. I mean, that's Patrick's Corbin was available except mm-hmm. for that one missed start because he had those back spasms. But... That's been his thing, at least down the sh- over these last, what, three years since 2019, he's been available. Um, but a 631 ERA, 19 losses. Um, you look at the contract, like, <laughs> I just, I think a D. I'll yeah. give him a D. Yeah, he led, the le- he led the majors in losses. He didn't get to 20, but he right. got to 19. Uh, he led the majors in hits allowed 210. And then earned runs 107. His hits per nine, 12.4. It's a lot of easy contact off of your ace. He was the ace of this right. staff. So that's just not going to cut it. Um, but, again, making 31 starts, being out there every five days. It's going to be interesting conversation this offseason. Yes, I think as you're right. It's a D. It can't be an F because he did pitch every, every five days. If he spent a couple of times on the IL and they were like, Oh, we figured it out. You know, he, it was this, it was this, 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 and we figured it out. And he came back and still put this up. I think that's an F. I'm also surprised they haven't done that. Like maybe, you know, and then you also have to give him credit. I mean, I gave him a lot of kudos because talking to him a couple of times after start, I mean, he owned everything. It's not like he was like blaming the coaching staff or, you know, ever was like rude to Davey or the fan base. He owned up to everything. So he at least, 
was a stand-up citizen through it all. I mean, at, these are tough times for Patrick Corbin. He could have easily deflected, and he accepted all the. And I, I give him a lot of kudos for and that. And that's what you have to do when you're struggling like this badly. Like fans are, they're not going to be happy, but they can take it a lot better when you at least own it. Right. You just have to wear it, own it, and you know try to do better. And I think Patrick Corbin has done that. So. Yeah. Kudos to him for that. Yeah, I think uh, I think D is a, is a yeah. solid, not solid, but it's like it's an acceptable um, grade for acceptable Patrick grade Corbin. for Patrick Corbin given given everything. I mean, I know fans are upset, but you know, you gotta yeah. look at the big picture. Um, all right, Eric Fetty, um, another guy, and you talk a lot about Eric Fetty uh, because a former first round pick that just has not panned out. Um, I, I I'll let you take this one because I think <laughs> I. I feel like you're you have done a deep dive on Eric Fetty before just, and just like you you don't see it yeah I don't I think we need to be done with the Eric Fetty <laughs> experiment um I get it this year is like a little bit different um Eric Fetty finished with a 581 ERA his last outing he went two and a third nine earned <laughs> runs um contrary to these other guys he did go on the IL in July um, missed a few starts in August um, he after he went on the IL he only went six innings once after that to finish out the season um, you know I don't like Eric Fetty maybe let's officially move him to the bullpen let's make that official if we're going to keep him around and he can give you two three innings because yeah. that's what he's doing anyway in his starts um with that said, I think what can help Eric Fetty's grade is like, what did we really expect? I mean, we've kind of seen the same Eric Fetty for the last three years. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. You know, you talk about moving to the bullpen. I mean, he's also a non-tender candidate this offseason, so right. he might not even be on this roster next year. We'll, of course, discuss that in more depth uh, later in this offseason. But I'm going to look at it through the lens like you brought up Victor Robles last week, and we're like, you know, if this is – if we're looking at it through the lens of he's a former first-round pick, he needs to be a three- or two-starter, then it's a DF. Right. But if this is just the Eric Fetty, if that's who he is now, then I think I can be a little more lenient with him and give I him agree. a C um, grade. And that's just – he's just average. He's average at best, and that's just who he is. That's who he's going to be. Yes, he dealt with some injuries this year, but he was able to come back. You know, he sprinkles in, like – a couple of really good starts, and you're like, okay, will, yeah. build off that momentum. Go, you know. I think back to last year, a really good start in Arizona. He had a couple of good starts this year. You know, he gets deep into the game. He really struggled without pitches this year. So many oh, two yeah. out, uh, you know, with a runner on and just couldn't get out of a jam, or gets down to two strikes and gives up a single or a home. I mean, it's just he just really struggled with put away pitches, and he admitted that yeah. time and time again. Um, so, but if this is just who Eric Fetty is. That's fine. That's more of a drafting and development conversation, not an Eric Fetty conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he, he's just an average pitcher, and that's that's who he is, so he's a C. Right, yeah, I give him a C- minus because, I mean, at this point, you keep putting him in the rotation. I don't – what do we expect? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's we've been doing this since 2019 when it was between him, Ross, and both. Um, you know, who was going to get that last starter spot? He's – done the same thing yeah. for three years or four years in a row um so you know with that being said it's like okay this is kind of what we expected out of eric fetty the fact that he was a first round draft pick and that's a whole nother conversation right. but yeah. you know he did come back after being on the il he did his job he filled in those starts so i was gonna see minus yeah i think it's a C. I think he's just he's just a c guy um <laughs> all right moving on to the top pitching prospect, and this is, of course, a very small sample. It's kind of difficult to hand Cade Cavalli a grade. Um, but he did make his debut. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least talk about him. Mm-hmm. It's it's not fair, I guess, to the rest of the guys. But, you know, it's like we have to grade his, like, triple-A se- season and then it's his one major league outing. Or his major league season, right? That only resulted into one outing. Um, so... I'm going to give his AAA season an A, A plus. I mean, he was just absolutely dominant. This is his first full AAA year. Had some struggles early on in the season, but most pitchers do. And then he took off from there, was one of the best pitchers in all the minor leagues, earned his promotion. We both thought he should have been up sooner. Gets to the major leagues. His debut, so-so. I mean, well, I think only went four and two-thirds. Um, gave up a couple of home runs. Showed some nice strikeout stuff like he saw in the minor leagues, but just wasn't fully adjusted to major league pitching. Totally fine. The fact of the matter was is that he never pitched again in the major leagues. So I'm equating Kate Cavalli to like 
the student. Do you watch Abbott Elementary? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you know the student in one of those episodes that she's like so distracted and bored because she's too smart? So yeah. she had to bump. So that's that's Kate Cavalli, right? So he's going through this entire school year. <laughs> he's he's just crushing yeah. all the grades. He's, he's just bored. way too smart. So they finally give him a they bump him up a grade, and that's where he's supposed to be. But it's too late in the season to or too late in the school year to finish his courses. So he's getting for me an A A A plus <laughs> in the minor leagues and an incomplete in the major league. Oh, level. okay. I'm gonna give him a. I'll give him an A. I'll give him an A minus in AAA, and I'll give him a B plus. Okay. For his major league debut, um, but might might have given him an A minus because his debut was fine. Yeah, if he gets um, out of that fifth inning, right. he'd probably get an A minus. Debut's fine, but just not being able to to come back after that. So. The good thing about Cade though is you look back. I mean, that injury was a freak injury. Thank goodness it wasn't anything too too serious the nationals i mean i think it's fair to have some question marks about this but the nationals claim he was healthy to end the season they just ran out of time to get him back out there being cautious totally fine totally get that but we'll see how he feels come spring training Mm -hmm. so like that's why it's like that doesn't it's not like who we'll talk about next but like he had this injury lingering all season long and they didn't treat it properly it just kind of cropped up it's something they didn't notice, and yeah. then he makes his debut. And and we just kind of attribute it to, you know, overhyped, because he called it, like, a sore shoulder that he never felt before, and it's like, you're just throwing harder than you ever thought, or you ever threw, because it's your major league debut, you right. were super excited. Um, so, like, I'm not blaming him for, for the injury, or, or the fact that he didn't pitch again, because, like, I think we both agreed that was the right call. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, just yeah. ran out of time. You know, this may, if they called him up earlier, and he was able to, you know, rehab and be fine, he did get shut down twice, I think. Yeah, he was starting to come back throwing, and then he and had shoulder sort of, sort yeah. of, or you know inflammation, sort of. whatever, mm-hmm. again. So and he got an injection, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, for it. So that's not great. But they they claim he was healthy to end the season. So again, A plus in the minor leagues, incomplete for the major leagues. But if you're grading just that one outing, the major league debut, I'll, I'll ride with you, B plus. Yeah, because uh, it, it was exciting. He showed flashes. That's all we wanted to see from him. He didn't need to go dominate. He didn't need to be Steven Strasburg. Um, So he was pretty good. Speaking of Steven Strasburg, (laughs) this is going to be the complete opposite (laughs) conversation than Kate Cavalli because unlike Kate Cavalli, Steven Strasburg is no longer a top prospect. He is one of the most highest paid pitchers in the major leagues, and he has not pitched very often. And this is a case where he did have an injury. The national – and look, spring training was short for everybody – he claimed that he needed to do his, you know, full, what was it, eight weeks of spring training. That's right. why he didn't start the season very long or on time. And then he kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. Finally made his debut in Miami at some point. And the whole idea was that as long as he gets out healthy, everything's good. He actually showed flashes in that game against Miami. You know, the, you know he struggled with some command here and there, but the changeup was there at times. Fastball command was iffy, but when he was hitting the strike zone was very good. He came out, they said he was healthy, and then he was shut down. And then never pitched again. And so for me, with like the contract, the way that everything was handled, and then now the fact that he has thoracic outlet syndrome and maybe never pitch again, F. F. It's gotta be an F, right? F. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a it's oh Bobby, it's not good, but it has to be an F. Yeah. yeah. There's no other way. Yeah. You have to pitch. Mm-hmm. He could if he even pitched this year, like if he made if we, if ten he didn't, starts, yeah, oh, like yeah. oh, that's like we would be like, oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we haven't seen it in years. But f yeah, or even if he didn't pitch, we wouldn't be talking about him. True, right? So no, it's not perfect. But because he actually took a mound True. and they said he was good, and then he wasn't, and it's like, what's happening here? Yeah, like it's not a good situation, contract wise, pitching wise. Steven Strasburg's health-wise and career-wise, it's just kind of a debacle all, all the way around. Another major question heading into the offseason and to, into next year is, will he ever pitch again? Right. And that's a guy you have a lot of money contributed to. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if, we're, if this is in the conversation of the worst contract in baseball history, probably not going to get a good grade. Yeah. Um, yeah, just an F. Absolute F, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, we want to see Steven Strasburg right. pitch and, and pitch well. Um, and he just hasn't been able to They do wouldn't it. have won a World Series without him. Correct. So it's really hard to go from that to not seeing Steven Strasburg pitch, period. Maybe never see him pitch again. And then look at all the money that they have tied up on him and him. Just right. not good. But 
you know, we wish Steve, Steven the best, hopefully. Right. <laughs> um, there's a couple of other starters I want to get to real quick before we flip to the bullpen. We can kind of do this rapid fire. Paulo Espino, I mean, he's kind of a, actually let's let's say let's say Paulo Espino for like the transition because he was a little bit of both. Yeah, okay. All right, so Anibal Sanchez, and again, I will fully admit that I was not on the Anibal Sanchez train this year. Him coming back in spring training, great story, but then he didn't start the season healthy, and then he didn't make his debut until the second half. And at that point, I was, and then he started off rough, and I was like, at this point, what are we doing? Like, why? Why are we doing this right. worst Kate Cavalli? But he ended up being, like over the last month of the season, the Nationals' best starter. And for that, I mean, I think combined with the time missed, I know he was on a minor league contract, so not too much money was you know, being allotted toward him, so right. that's not a big deal. But the time missed, the way he started, even though he finished strong, I can't go any higher than a C. And I think that is way high. I mean, he worked his way up to a C. Because up until the point where he started turning around in the last month, he would have been D, D minus, maybe even fail. But he worked his way up from his rough start of the season to being one of the best pitchers on the staff in September and worked his way up to like, all right, that actually, yeah. you, know, you wish he had him longer, but it actually kind of worked out. Yeah, with Anibal, it's kind of hard because it was like, what were our expectations? Mm-hmm. You, know? Um, you know, good for him for, you know, getting that minor league contract, fighting back from an injury, making his season debut later in the season. I'm going to give Andy Ball, because he was really their best starter down the stretch, I'm going to give him a C plus. Okay. Because really out of all of these guys, when it came time to do his job, he did his job better than any of these other starters on the list. Yeah. Over his first six starts, he posted an ERA of 720. Um you know, hit four, three, six, you know, right. barely getting out of the fifth. And then from August 18th on, he did get roughed up in his last outing against Philly, but his ERA was 206 yeah. um, over his last eight. So he was really good over the, he even had a seven out, seven inning gem against um, the, the A's in late August. Um, so I, he pitched, I mean, right. you, and you go from not pitching and then having your, the, your season debut pushed way back because right. of injury, like your first few starts probably are going to be bad. Not that that's acceptable, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what yeah. did we expect? But if you like kind of extrapolate this over the course of a full season, not that Allie Ball's going to give you 30 starts. I mean, you just don't know with his age, if he can stay healthy, but like, say you get like closer to, he made 14, you get closer to 2025. 20, that probably turns out to be a solid season. I mean, he did finish with a 428 ERA, mm-hmm. but that might get closer down to below four, um, and that might be one of the best on the staff. Right. So, yeah, I, I think to see combined with the way he didn't start the season, yep. then started his season, and then finished strong. Right. Um, yeah, that's fair. Then Paulo Espino, a guy who went back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. Let's start with him as a starter and then move over to his bullpen arm uh, before – switching over fully to all the uh, rotation and I'm sorry, uh, relievers. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a guy that, you know, we we talk about is Davey Martinez's Swiss army knife. We really, (laughs) he got utilized very well last year. And if you remember the reason he became a starter last year is because Steven Strasburg went down and he ended up replacing him in the rotation, finished out the season in the rotation this year. With Josiah Gray being there, with the expectation of Kay Cavalli and possibly Cole Henry coming up, there wasn't really a spot for him only to make spot starts. Right. So he started off the year on the bullpen, and he pitched really well. Albeit, those were usually in blowout losses, a um, couple of innings when they were uh, yeah, you started didn't see and get him deep. in high-leverage no. situations at so, all. But the numbers were there. And then, you know, with the rotation struggling, the question was, well, why not give Paulo a chance to be in the rotation? Because his numbers are pretty good and he's given multiple innings. I, I think Paulo really struggled with the going back and forth this year mm-hmm. because he didn't have his arm built up like a starter to begin the season, and then all of a sudden the second half of the season he had to be a starter, and you didn't see him getting deep into games. Right, and that's not easy to go back and no. forth from the bullpen to the rotation, bullpen to the rotation, and then when you do make those starts, Davey being like, well, our bullpen short, just go get them. Like, we're going to ride you until we can't. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. So credit to Paulo for being really the one guy um, on this team that was able to do that throughout the whole season. Um, so as a re- Paulo as a reliever, I will give a B <laughs> minus okay. to. Okay. Paulo as a starter, I'll give a C to. I'm going to equate this to a kid – 
in school who, or anyone in school who was. Bobby's on like a back to school kick here. Not back to school. It's just like an easy. We're handing out grades. Yeah. It's an easy way to compare, or or like a um, yeah, a good analogy. Yeah. Uh, a kid that was really good at one subject, not so good at another. And so Paulo Espina was really good at math, the, the rotation, or sorry, the bullpen as a reliever. And I'm gonna give him an A for that. But he was not so good as a starter. Science, two uh, two classes, two subjects that are related but very different yeah, like still. Um, and I'm gonna give him a C as a uh, reliever, even oh, as a starter. Jeez, <laughs> even though A as reliever, C as starter, done. But even though he did pitch pretty well throughout the course of the season and was able to do whatever Davey asked, it was just varying degrees. Of success. Right. So moving on to now the rotation. Uh, before we have any more technical difficulties, Amy, let's try to get <laughs> out of here and finish this. This is, I give a big shout out to our producer, Tim Leonard, who's doing all he can to help us behind the scenes. This is nobody's <laughs> fault but the technology that hates us for some reason. So let's try to be nice to it and get out of here quickly. Uh, let's start with Kyle Finnegan, a guy that was came up made his debut in 2020 in the shortened season performed really well i've always liked the way kyle pitched last year he started off really well and then just kind of tailed off the end of the season and that was just he had never had that workload before and my biggest question for him coming into this year was how will he adjust to a bigger workload and i think he did pretty well and i think he actually ended up being one of the nationals most trusted relievers out of the bullpen that's of course coupled with tanner rainey's injury so he had to take on a bigger role but given everything that Kyle Finnegan did, um, I, I think it was a solid year for him. I'm going to give him actually an A minus. Okay, I was going to go B plus. I mean, he did have to step up into that late inning, or oftentimes the closer role once Tanner Rainey um, went out, and he might be in that role next season because Tanner Rainey had Tommy John was probably out for most of next season. So Kyle Finnegan might be the closer um, of 2023. Um, so he stepped up. He did a pretty good job. Had to pitch in higher leverage situations than he was at the beginning of the year. Um, 3.51 ERA over 66 innings of work. I'm going to give Kyle Finnegan a B plus. A whip of 11.40. He actually recorded 11 saves down the stretch. Finished only one short of Tanner Rainey's 12. So yeah, I'm going to give him an A minus B plus range because I think Kyle. And, and you're right. Can he continue that success into next year? Because we probably won't see Tanner Rainey pitch in 2023. But again, being able to finish the season strong, build on that workload, 66 games, 66 and two thirds innings. Impressive stuff from Kyle Finnegan. Let's move on to. Uh, Steve Ciszek, and if you recall, Ciszek was the Nats' big bullpen signing this offseason. One of the few major league contracts they dished out. He was expected to kind of fill that uh, setup role, maybe even take over the closer role of guys like Sean Doolittle or Tanner Rainey or Kyle Finnegan wasn't able Mm -hmm. to produce. And he struggled out of the gate and then kind of fell out of that role into kind of mop-up, cleanup duty. And that's not what you wanted from the guy that you signed to a major league deal. The only real major league deal you handed out uh, to um, a, a reliever this past offseason, I know in a shortened offseason. So from what Steve Shishek was brought in to do and what he ended up being, I don't think he can go any higher than a C, maybe even a D. Uh, with the way that he was brought in and then the production he ended up giving you. Yeah, I'm going to go C-minus with Steve Ciszek. I liked the signing in the offseason. The Nationals were kind of hoping he would bounce back a little bit, um, but he struggled really the most out of any of these guys. He kind of fell out of the, the... the bullpen rotation, 421 ERA in 69 games. I'm going to give him a C-. He, he did, didn't really ahead. do his job. Right. He, but he did give you 66 innings over True. those outings. Um, and so, but again, like second half of the season, we were looking at him doing either coming in in the mid innings when I started to get in a deep or pitching in blowout losses. So he was never put back into high. Le- I think it was only a handful of times he was in September put back into high leverage situations. That was usually taken on by – Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., who mm-hmm. we'll talk about next, Erasmo Ramirez. So, yeah, I think the highest you can give C-Sheck is C-minus range. I'll probably even even go D-plus just for the way he was brought in. He struggled with control early on. Remember, he hit a lot of guys early on in the oh, season, yeah. um, and he kind of struggled with that throughout the course of the year. Carl Edwards Jr., on the other hand, was a minor league signing this year, started the season in AAA, came up. If you recall, he had his Nationals debut was a disaster, 
to give up a bunch of runs, and then afterwards he vowed he wouldn't do that again, and then he essentially didn't. He had a great season. This was a great minor league signing for the Nationals. The biggest question for Carl Edwards Jr. really is that how come the Nationals weren't able to flip him at the trade deadline? I think he ran into some trouble late in July. He had a couple of bad outings that may have hurt his, might have hurt his trade value, but Carl Edwards Jr., considering he was a minor league signing and produced a 2.76 ERA in 57 games, he brought a lot of energy, too, to the bullpen. I think this was a fantastic performance by Carl Edwards Jr. and a great signing by the Nationals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he was a pleasant surprise for Davey Martinez on just how often he was able to use Carl Edwards Jr. He wasn't going to give you more than one inning. He wasn't a multiple innings kind of guy, but he was effective when he was in there. 276 ERA over his 60 two innings um i'm gonna give carl edwards jr an a minus yeah i'm gonna give him the same i think from coming from a minor leagues contract uh to being one of the most productive relievers over the course of the entire season when he showed up he did start in triple a like i said um but yeah it was it will always be a question mark to me how come the nationals weren't able to flip him at the trade deadline and that's exactly that's the exact kind of guy you want to be able to flip. like it's a minor league signing or you know you the acquiring team probably doesn't have to give up too much. The right. Nationals, you may be getting one or you two get prospects. But, but yeah, right. right, you're getting something to a guy who's probably not going to pitch here next year because he's going to probably get a major league contract somewhere else. Would the Nationals love to have Carl Edwards Jr. back? Of course. But I, I think he'll have a better chance of signing on with a contender next year because of the way he pitched this year and show that he can still do this. And like I said, he brought a lot of energy. Some of those he did, he, yeah. a high leverage stuff, getting out of it, you see him screaming off the mound. I think, a, you know, in a – on a team that lost 107 games, you kind of need that. And the fact that, you know, this is a veteran guy that, you know, him and, and along with Steve Shishak, we didn't talk about this with Steve, but the veteran presence, even when there were some ups and downs for both of these guys, a lot of the younger relievers talking about like Mason Thompson, Jordan Weems, even Finnegan and Rainey, you know, really appreciated the way right. that they had a veteran presence in that clubhouse for not just the relievers, but all the young players who were able to talk to them. So that, that goes uh, into the consideration as well. So Carl, Carl gets a A- minus from me. The Nationals pitcher of the year, Erasmo Ramirez. He ended up leading the relievers in innings pitched, 86 and a third, 292 ERA. Biggest surprise easily of the season. Uh, for the Nationals, especially when it comes to relievers, maybe overall. But Erasmo Ramirez was the pitcher of the year as voted on by the local media, and he was a fantastic minor league signing in spring training. Erasmo Ramirez is my, I feel like, the most solid giving him an A. Oh, yeah. Um, 86 in the third innings, you don't really see that. Um, he was able to make a few spot starts for Davey uh, when he needed to him. He gave Davey some length out of the bullpen, that 292 ERA across those 86 in the third innings. Rosmo Ramirez was the most solid arm in this bullpen. He deserves an A. Yep. He led the National League relievers in innings pitched. He led qualified uh, Washington uh, relievers in ERA. Um, in his 57, or at the time, 57 appearances that I'm reading at it. So he was by far the biggest solid A that you could have mm-hmm. in his bullpen, and biggest surprise, like I said. It'd be a minor league signing. you just like, all right, here's a guy off the scrap heap. We'll see what we get out of him. Turns out to be your best reliever. Um, and that was a very pleasant surprise. And he ended up working you know, some not high-leverage situations and worked his way into being able to pitch high-leverage situations and still had the same amount of success. And in a year like this where you're piecing together your bullpen, you know, whether they're, you know, waiver claims or minor league signing, whatever it may be, um, and you need some some surprises. And mm-hmm. Carl Edwards Jr. was one of them, and Erasmo Ramirez was the best of them. And I, I wonder, like, because Carl, like we said, has a track record, really good season, can probably latch on to another team at 30, will be 32 next year. Erasmo Ramirez will be 32, 33 next year as well. Does Ramirez get the same amount of attention that Edwards will get in the free agent market? I think maybe on name alone, no. But if a team really looks at the numbers and be like, okay, this guy could actually be a piece in maybe the 86 innings, I mean, that has to jump out. Right. And that does come from, I think he did make at least one, maybe two spot spot starts. starts, Yeah, yeah, that he pitched um, multiple innings. But other than that, it was usually one inning, one down. Um, So really great season by Erasmus Ramirez. That was very impressive. Um, um, from him. So then moving on to some um, other guys, uh, I want to talk about Hunter Harvey. I think given what the Nationals, you know, signed him off waivers, um, a long injury history for this guy who was once a top prospect for the Orioles. I think the fact that he mostly spent this season healthy is a benefit for Hunter Harvey. And I think that 
given that he finished the season healthy and strong and, and showed some really good flashes, that triple-digit fastball, getting a lot of strikeouts, uh, was prone to the home run a couple of times. We saw him give a home run to his best friend, Ryan Mountcastle, against the Orioles. Uh, but I think given what the Nationals kind of took a chance on this guy and the fact he did spend time on the IL, but which Nationals pitcher didn't, um, I, I think Hunter Harvey had a solid season given his history and what the Nationals signed him up for. B for Hunter Harvey. Yeah, I'm going to go B- minus for Hunter Harvey. I, like you said, once he was with the Nationals, he stayed pretty much healthy. Um, I think Hunter Harvey's like one of the biggest head scratchers probably for a lot of Orioles fans too <laughs> because he has the stuff. He just can't stay healthy and just can't get over the hump. Um, but for what the Nationals needed him for, what we kind of expected, I'll give Hunter Harvey a, a B-. minus. 252 ERA in 39 in the third innings, 11.44 whip uh, for Hunter Harvey. So pretty solid all the way around. Um, Hopefully get some of those innings up next year and he stays healthy and he can become maybe a more central part of this of this bullpen. Um, I think we have to talk about Tanner Rainey uh, because he came into the season as the closer, had a couple of rough outings, but also, you know, it seemed like every time he recorded a save, one of his 12, it seemed like he sh- almost gave it up. He struggled to get it, right. but he got him. <laughs> um, and then, like you mentioned, Tommy John surgery might have to miss all of next season. A tough ending for Tanner, but he is a guy that could be a part of this rotation for the long term. Or sorry, not rotation, bullpen for the long term. Um, and so I think we have to discuss them, even though his season ended with an injury. Yeah, it seemed like any time he had a bad outing, they came like back to back. Like he would go through a stretch where he would have two, three bad outings, and then he'd go on a stretch where, you know, he came out solid uh, and, and re- record those saves. So, you know, Tanner, but then you have to consider the fact that he, you know, didn't finish the season healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you kind of need out of those these bullpen arms and especially your closer of the future. So... Out of his, like, actual outings, you know, taking away the injury, I guess I'm going to give Tanner Rainey, like, a B minus. Okay. Maybe that's being generous. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Um, but, you know, he had a pretty solid year. Yeah, I mean, he was, what, he gave up in 29 outings, 12 saves. You give him 60 outings, that's around 24, 25 saves. I think that's that's B worthy, but the, I think the fact that he didn't finish and remember you talk about his outings, there was a stretch where, you know, a lot of the questions Davey Martinez would be getting is how are you going to get Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan innings because right. you're not in closing situations, you're not giving them time to pitch. So there was you're right, there was times where they would pitch back to back to back and then not pitch for like a week right. and then pitch back to back. So it was really tough up and down for both him and Finnegan. Then you have to consider that too, right? You know? And so that was a t- I mean you're. You're the closer on a team that's not winning a lot of games. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities. You have, you're going to have some struggles. I mean, look, you're looking at some of the best pitchers still pitching right now in the playoffs, and even they struggle at times closing out games. And that's something that we talked about with both Finnegan and Rainey is that they do better when they're pitching. Um, and when you, they sit for a week, right? what do you, you know? They both said, I, I think Tanner more so than Kyle, but Tanner was like, I need to have a routine. Reps, I need yep. to pitch. Every other day, every back-to-back, what I need that. Otherwise, if I'm sitting too long, I get too antsy and I, right. I, I lose my kind of my control. So I'll give Tanner. I think half giving the the injury and shutting his season down. I think I'll give him a C plus. Okay. Um, and given that some of his outings were roller coaster rides, they weren't oh, yeah. always smooth. If they were always smooth and he had an injury, all right, fine, we can give we, we can get into the B territory. Yeah. But sometimes they were like a couple of guys on base, loaded bases. Uh, you know, you had to get lucky with a double play ball, stuff like that. And like some of those like um, more questionable outings, like down the stretch, we can attribute to this injury. Yeah, but, I also yeah. feel like there was like an outing where like, you know. He gave up a couple of back-to-back hits in, like, a one-run game, but then, like, struck out the side. Yeah. And it was like, all right, that's the Tanner Rainey we know. It's just it takes that, a while to get there. Right. That's and the Tanner Rainey experience. Yeah. Then kind of has to go back um, to, like, him pitching on a regular uh, basis. Any other relievers you want to touch on? I mean, there was a bunch of relievers. There's a lot of guys who made a lot of appearances, uh, but those were the main guys. Um, from this bullpen from this past season. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what we get out of Mason Thompson moving forward. Um, you know, some of those younger guys' arms like that. Um, but they have a lot of returning arms, which is good. Young guys that are under team control for a while. Yeah, a lot of younger. And it's, it's interesting you say younger guys because like, I think of 
uh, Finnegan. He's 30 years old. So the, he's young contract-wise, not young age-wise. Right. He'll be 31 next year. But I believe this offseason, it's his first year of arbitration eligibility. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like they've got control of these guys. Tanner Rainey's 29, too. I mean, he's a young guy, but he's also yeah. getting up there to being an older guy. So it be interesting to see how they bring in some young talent. Um, we talk so much about the starting guys on the farm. Maybe we do a pod about some of the relieving arms. I know you did a good piece on one of them over the season. So who do they have in this system that could come up and fill out this bullpen? Um, of course, Mason Thompson from the San Diego trade in 2021 uh, was a guy who actually did pretty well, an ERA under three, but a lot of those came in non-high leverage right. situations and spent a lot of time at AAA this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fill these spots, especially with guys expecting like C-Sheck, um, like maybe Ramirez and Carl Edwards Jr. departing this offseason. Yeah, but the bullpen did impress this year, which was one highlight that I think we, we are holding on to uh, from this season. Deshaun Doodle come back next year. He's talked about it. He they wants has. to. Um, I think he wants to. It's obviously a great veteran presence. It's just like I don't know if dude's ever going to be. I mean, we know he's not going to be what he was, but, mm-hmm. you know. He was, to... I mean, what, it was only six games, right? He only pitched yeah. in six games. But he was good those six games, and then he got hurt. So it's more of a health question for him right. than anything else. Now, he does live in D.C. Him and his wife have made this their home. So if there's ever an opportunity for him, it probably would be here, especially since he has this injury history now. It would be interesting to see, I mean, if he is able to pitch again, um, he was optimistic about it, and, and the Nationals, uh, David Martinez at least said that he would definitely want him right. to come to come back. So that'd be interesting. But I, we're not going to grade Duo on on six yeah, outings yeah. Um, and with and the injury that that's as a reliever that might be a little too tough. Um, all right, I think that wraps up our 2022 seasonal grades for the entire Nationals team. Again, if you missed any part of our position player pod, go back and check this out. If you missed the rotation part of the pitching side, that's also on YouTube and Facebook. This will all be combined into one pod for the pitchers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, So be sure to check that out. If you want to watch us, you can check us out, both videos on YouTube and Facebook as well. Again, big, big shout out to Tim Leonard for all his help behind the scenes. I know we struggled for these past couple of weeks trying to figure this out, but he's been so helpful. So big thanks to Tim. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass Nationals across the board, be sure to follow throughout the offseason for coverage. Check out Mark Zuckerman and myself on MassInSports.com as well. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, hopefully all in one piece. We'll see you then.